Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sarah Wilson, and this is Wild a show where we talk with the biggest minds in the world about the ideas that can help us love and save our one wild and precious life together on this planet. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ask Me Anything, a weekly segment here on Wild that runs on a Friday where you get to ask me whatever you like and I'll answer it as honestly and succinctly as I can. I did try to keep these under 15 minutes. I rarely achieve this because um, this is not an edited podcast episode. I keep it very raw. So if you'd like to ask me a question, the place to do that is over at my Substack. The link is in the show notes. It's sarahwilson.substack.com. Uh, that's also where you can watch the video version of this, where you get added extras, visual extras. Um, but you can also comment, uh, and join the discussion after the episode gets uploaded. And I join in the comments there as well. So this week I'm going to clump together three questions. They form something of a seamless flow. They're also on the lighter lifestyle side of things. Um, that's because things have been a bit heavy lately in the world and also here on this podcast. And I think we do need to pulse back and forth between light and shade. This is an idea I'm playing with at the moment, how we stay alive to issues, but also live full lives. So the first of the three questions comes from Carmen Bowring and she writes, I'm torn because I crave having a lot less things. I want to start fresh by condoing. She's referring to that method uh, that was developed by Marie Kondo where you clean out everything, you declutter. So she wants to condo all her unneeded possessions, but she feels guilty about adding to the overwhelmed thrift stores or God forbid the landfill. Um, and she adds, I much prefer the values behind Wilsoning <laughs> to coin a phrase. And so for anyone who's new here, the values behind Wilsoning, I suppose, um, are about actually not doing a clean up, but not buying things in the first place, but I'll flesh that out in a bit. Carmen says, uh, she has a bunch of unneeded things, clothes, makeshift dishcloths, trinkets from travel, uh, that probably probably won't ever get worn out enough to wear out or people won't want them. So the question she has is, is it better to hold on to this stuff until it's completely worn out or used, whatever it is, or dump it at goodwill? 
what do you do? How do you sift through this kind of thinking, Sarah? Okay. So look, I've been through this a lot before and I have discussed it with all kinds of people and in my books. So it's familiar. Um, I think living light is great. Uh, simplifying is great. It means you can move faster in the world and clutter has all kinds of psychological implications. So studies show that when you store lots of things above, it can actually bear down on you and and be felt as a burden. And if you store things uh, under beds and stuffed under couches, that kind of thing, it can make you feel that you're not facing things. Um, There's lots of studies that have been done to that effect. But The issue that I have with the condo approach and the minimalists um, is that it's about chucking stuff out. It's essentially about passing on the issue onto someone or, you know, somewhere else. The reality of the situation is that only 5% of stuff that gets donated to thrift stores, for instance, get sold. The rest goes to landfill. And essentially what you're doing is you're passing on the work of getting rid of your stuff to these volunteers or people who are already, as you say, come and overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that's arriving at thrift stores. At the same time, less and less people are buying stuff at secondhand shops, right? Um, I always ask people, you know, who say they've done this massive clean out, you know, but it's all okay, Sarah, because I've given it to the charity stores. I say, well, how much of your belongings in your life today did you buy at a charity store? And really, most people say there's really not much at all that they buy at thrift stores. They tend to just donate. So the equation you can see doesn't quite work out. Um, There's also a massive issue that goes on for these charity stores the propensity for us to buy fast fashion these days means this fashion doesn't last. It actually isn't good enough quality to be able to sell on and to have multiple lives. So recycling of any sort and passing it on to a charity store should be a last resort, an absolute last resort. Now, the other main issue that I have with this decluttering approach broadly is that cleanouts generally mean people go and then buy more stuff to replace the stuff that they just got rid of. They just buy a shinier new version of it or they realise that, oh, God, I needed that thing that I chucked out last week and so off to the mall they go. And so decluttering in many ways is all part of the consumerist imperative. And I remember when I was researching this One Wild and Precious Life, um, I came across data that showed that storage containers um, or storage, yeah, storage containers both in the Tupperware sense but in the sort of the large facility sense is the fastest growing industry in the U.S., um, so yeah, I, I also think to the fact that, uh, Maria Kondo for all her decluttering advice also has an online store where you can buy things like a $100 soup ladle. So I guess the other thing I also want to raise here before I get into what I do, um, is that minimalism so often is about an aesthetic which we can buy. So again, it's another consumerist ploy. And what I would ask everyone listening here to do is to think about, well, are you buying into an aesthetic or is this about a psychological result that you're after or is this decluttering or this minimalism about an ethical imperative. And I think it's really worth thinking that through before you start trying to work out, you know, these practical ways of going about cleaning out your life and living more minimally. 
And it's a shame really because, look, you know, I, I've bagged out Maria Kondo, but one of the things that I that I did discover when I read her book is that she does discuss the more alive and connected Japanese concept of motine. I think I've got that right. It's a Buddhist term for the need to respect and feel gratitude for the resources around us. And it's used to suggest a sort of a regret when something is wasted. So, you know, she touches on the principles of it. It's not always delivered or received in the right way. So to my approach, I guess, uh, I should start by saying I just don't buy things in the first place. And this approach can start with where you're at with your clean outcome. And so I would advise that you should keep as much as you can and then use it up so that you don't have to buy more stuff. So with clothing, definitely keep the bulk of it um, and just wear it until it becomes so bad it can only be used as rags for cleaning and then toss it out. So recycling is great. Um, however, it's rarely worth it, as I mentioned above. And, um, some businesses do offer bins for recycling. Nike, for instance, in their stores have these, these sort of big cardboard boxes where you can dump your old shoes in there and they then recycle the plastic in such a way that, uh, the threads are then woven into the mesh that are used for the shoes. And I think also the soles of the shoes are recycled plastic and they do try to work to a circular economy. Um, and if anyone has any other ideas of brands that also do this in an effective way, please do add it to the comments. We'll use that as a resource for everybody. Um, so yes, wear things out until they really can't be worn again, then toss. Work your way through your wardrobe that way. And look, I thought I'd use this opportunity to share that my shorts, my cut-off denim shorts, which have featured in just about, well, I think in about three or four of my cookbook covers, um, I, I wear them all summer. Um, and here they are, for those of you watching the video version, this is them. I bought them, I think it was when I was the editor of Cosmo, it was on one of my trips to New York, From I bought them from Abercrombie and Fitch, and it was the first time I'd gone there. And um, as you can see, they are really on their last legs. They're threadbare and the fabric is crumbling in my hands. I had a friend here over the summer who saw me wearing them and she just said to me, sweetheart, you really can't get away with that any longer. Um, I think I did push it to the limits. So consider this a collective ceremonial burying of my denim shorts. Uh, I'm sad to let them go because I did love them. But that's essentially how I do things. I literally wear them until they can be worn no longer and then I throw them. I mend in the meantime. I also adjust. I mix things up. I get creative. And that's what I would advise you to do, Carmen, with your stuff. You might think that you're over it and you're not wearing it any longer, but you can actually mend, adjust, that kind of thing. And I thought I'd also share as a bit of a visual this dress I think I was 21. No, I know I was 21 when I bought this. It was on my first trip to New York. I'd never heard of this fancy brand called French Connection. Um, it was about, I don't know, 20 centimetres longer um, when I first bought it. It's for those of you who are listening, it's a red rayon dress, sort of like a shirt dress, comes in at the waist with pin tucks, super well made. Um, I've worn it almost every summer since um, to all kinds of things, weddings, parties, anything. Um, and, uh, yeah, the hem got caught in a bike once and, um, I tried to patch it up. It didn't work. And then I got it caught in 
the bike chain again and I eventually cut it off and made the dress a little shorter. So I'll do that kind of thing quite a bit. Oh, and just one moment. Oh, these shoes. These shoes I've had, I'm guessing, 15 years. They're my one pair of fancy going out shoes. And if you've ever seen the flat lays of my travelling uh, situation, um, the gear that I put into my five kilo bag, sorry, 15 kilo bag that I tote around the world, these shoes always feature. They are pretty worn out. They've got a lot of um, bike marks on them. But what I do is I get a black Sharpie and I fill in all the bits where they're getting a bit scuffed. I've also araldited um, some of the, the seams back together and um, they just keep going and going and going. I don't tend to wear high heels a lot. I tend to wear them to the thing and then take them off once I'm at the thing or I just stand still. I mean, they're a ridiculous concept, but sometimes um, they're required to, to make you look a little bit like you're dressed up. So I would also advise to that extent in terms of taking the stuff you've got and then being creative with how you wear it in a fresh way. Go onto social media and actually follow influencers who, who do this exact kind of thing. And you can probably do a number of searches. Follow them instead of the people that buy the fast fashion and then sort of wear them for you, peering into the camera um, and uh, showing you how the many new things they've got. It's a much healthier way to go about things. The other thing I do is I see it as a way to gamify and have fun. So how long can I go without buying a new pair of underpants, for instance. I also buy quality. If I do buy anything, I buy higher quality. I spend the money. A lot of people say to me, oh, you'll be so proud of me. I bought this for $20. And I'm like, no, that's not the point of being a minimalist. It's about not buying quantity, but you buy quality. That way, if you do get to a point where you need to hand it down to a secondhand store, it's lasted the distance and it can actually have a second life. You might also want to use local consignment stores. That's a really great way to go about things if it's high quality. Um, here in Paris, there are heaps of them. They sell top designer brands, really high quality stuff. I've bought a woolen jumper at such a thing, a pair of, of um, sort of warm pants and a scarf and it's super high quality and some of this stuff is like 50 years old and it has stood the test of time. And I know in Sydney there's a place called Blue Spinach let me know in the comments if it's still running and add your own suggestions for these kinds of place, places. Um, Facebook Marketplace can work. Buy Nothing um, is also a great place to sell clothes and other items. Um, do things in real life as much as you can as opposed to doing online because the cost of shipping and all of the packaging um, negates anything, I think, that you gain from buying secondhand. So these Buy Nothing and Facebook uh, Marketplace, and I think it's called Neighbours, um, or neighbourhood, uh, these sites in, allow you to go and um, shop secondhand from people who live in your neighbourhood and you go physically and collect the items. With the tea towels and anything else, keep and use, I suppose. Um, there's two psychological thinkings I have here. The fact you're hanging on to these things rather than throwing out means you own the situation. You take responsibility for it psychologically. It'll probably put you in the best situation to not then go and buy more stuff because you're like, I'm going to have to keep this. I can't toss this stuff out. The second thing is if you have this uh need to organize psychological energy, um, then you might really enjoy just organizing 
things like these tea towels or whatever it is, dishcloths maybe is what you said. Um, so put that psychological need into organising your bits so that you actually use them. Um, and if anyone's got advice for that kind of thing, put it in the in the notes or in the comments, I should say. Um, and I've also got, I'll put the link to my Simplicious cookbooks as well. Um, they provide lots of tips for reusing things uh, like old pillowcases, that kind of thing, for storing your food. Um, so repurpose as a as a first step. Get creative with it. You might want to then give your trinkets perhaps to kids to create things, build things, make things with them, and, again, use them if you can. And just look overall, don't shop. That's the next step. Just don't go to the shops. It's the best advice I can give to anyone. Okay, the next question is from Bethany Han. For a day when you are, again, looking for something light to cover, that's today, I'd be fascinated to understand what your weeks in Paris look like, so the nitty-gritty of it. I'll try to limit this to two minutes. So the way I operate, my mornings are for doing emails, responding to Substack comments, um, and also I try to do my meetings in the morning. I don't think broadly expansively in the morning. So that's when I do that. Middle of the day, I try to go for a run, get outside in the sunshine. I run to various parks or I'll go to a gym. Um, I do ridiculous circa 1983 kind of step classes because it's a great way to learn the French language. In the afternoon, I try to, to sort of free it up to write either a substack post or to write my next book. Um, it doesn't always go well. Uh, it's sort of tricky to get into the right headspace. So really I try to pulse and just be available to do things when the energy hits me. That does mean that I don't tend to have weekends. I work for probably half of Saturday, half of Sunday. Um, at night I do go out. I go out to break up the routine. I'll either go out um, with various people I've met here in Paris but sometimes I will come home and I will then do some more writing and um, and and sometimes it'll take the form of jotting down notes. So, yeah, um, then this podcast fits in amongst all of that. The research will generally be done in the morning. This podcast takes one to two days a week and I would say my substat takes about one to two days and then the rest of the week is on various other projects. There's about four or five things a week that I do from writing book blurbs for other people to charity projects to maybe doing a podcast uh, where I'm the guest on somebody else's podcast, various media interviews, um, that kind of thing. Um, the short answer is it's chaotic. I don't necessarily have a structure I try to work with when I've got the best kind of energy and I love working. Sometimes I think I should have more balance in my life, but this is where the world's at um, and I feel, well, I enjoy being of service. I enjoy the work that I do. I'd rather work and then just have these moments of beautiful interactions and socialising and wandering, wandering around Paris or running through the parks of Paris as ways to... I guess, prepare myself for more work. The final question is from LDS. I don't know what that stands for, so apologies if I should. Let's call you Lisa for the purposes of this. Lisa, you've asked how you find accommodation when you're travelling, word of mouth, and so this is kind of linked to the Paris thing, word of mouth, Airbnb or similar sites. So um, 
I have very particular needs. I've got hyperacusia, so I'm very sensitive to noises. I'm also very sensitive to smells, so I have to work to a very, uh, I guess, structured system. I don't do hotels. If I have to stay in a hotel because it's a work thing, I I wind up doing ridiculous things like sleeping on the floor or in the bathroom uh, as a way of coping. Um, Yeah, hotels are just not for me. Um, I do do Airbnb and it varies on the country. Um, Certain countries like Greece and Slovenia, Airbnb does work. Countries like Australia and and France or in Paris in particular, um, the governments have clamped down for for good reason, I feel, um, and have made it both expensive and difficult to, to take Airbnb accommodation. Rural areas, I find Airbnb can really work well um, and it doesn't necessarily cause problems at a sociological level. So I work to the rating system. I then use reviews and I'll just share this tip. I will go into the reviews and open up all reviews and look, you might have a particular need. I don't know what it is, dogs or I don't know. For me, it's noise. So I'll write, um, I do a word search for noise, noisy and um, quiet and all the reviews will come up pertaining to that and I get a very good indication of whether the place is quiet or noisy and I'll write a note to the owner and that's one of the good things about Airbnb. Um, I don't always stay in such places. I'll often stay in cabins um, or in tents in Australia, I tend to stay in my own tent. Um, there's some websites like Hip Camp, I think it's called, um, where you can look up tiny homes and little cabins to stay in. And I'll do that from time to time. I'll use the National Parks um, website. They have cabins um, to stay in at really good prices. Here in Europe, I'll rent a camper van. That's a great way of doing things. Um, and in Paris, if I can just share this advice, uh, as I say, Airbnb is not the way, great way to go about things. Hotels tend to be really expensive. Um, So what I would do is go to bespoke websites for different industries. So on Facebook, I think there's uh, different accommodation groups for people working in the film industry because so many people move around, they'll rent out their furnished apartment and you can do it for a few days at a time, a week at a time, that kind of thing. Um, there's other websites for people who don't rent their apartment on Airbnb and it works in a similar way. The great thing about Paris, socialist country, they chart, you, you must work within a range and based on the square meterage of the apartment. So, um, you're not allowed to charge over a certain threshold. So it does keep prices in a really reasonable range and you can access this kind of accommodation for short term. And I'll put the links, uh, to various apps and websites where you can do that. I use one, um, website, uh, that, allows academics to rent out their accommodation for short to medium term. Um, Generally, it's up to 11 months at a time. I would highly recommend looking for places uh, that have a top floor, that face onto a courtyard. And um, if you don't like climbing to the top floor, which is generally about six six stories, um, you might want to look out for an ascensor or an elevator. Um, Generally, most of these uh, setups have bills included. So I'll put a few of those links in the show notes. So if you're coming to Paris, you might want to to refer to it or pass these notes around to anyone who is heading to Paris. Okay, I've exceeded my 20-minute cutoff, but I did try to jam a fair bit in there. Um, As always, everyone, please do share this episode around. Please rate Wild um, on whatever 
platform you're listening to this on, write a review. Um, it all helps. And again, you can ask me maybe a deeper, um, crunchier, gnarlier question um, that I will answer next week. And you go to sarahwilson.substack.com to do that. Uh, and as I say, yeah, if you want to see the dress, uh, if you really want to see my worn out denim shorts, um, that's all on the video version of this again over at Substack. I'll see you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.